Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you're with Lyle and... Joelle. Joelle, welcome to the show. Joelle, we are so glad that you are on the show this morning. How are you this morning, Joelle? I am really good. That's I'm fantastic. excited to be here, so thank you for having me. That's amazing. And Joelle, what are you thankful for this morning? Ooh, I'm thankful for the ability to try new things. Um, I think that sometimes we allow fear and doubt to stop us from experiencing life to the fullest. So me doing this is just stepping out. So this is um, this is faith. this is Joelle stepping out in faith <laughs> and trying something new this Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Have you ever done this before? I have not. Well, actually, last year I did a testimony on Faith FM, uh-huh. but never co-hosting. So this is a little bit different from this just sharing a, a testimony. This is a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll see how it goes. Oh, I'm super excited about it. Well, this morning, ooh, let me see what I'm thankful for. Apart from the fact that uh, Joelle is um, sitting in the, in the co-host's seat, I am thankful this morning for injuries. Oh, wow. Yes. Injuries. Okay, so here's how it works. I have an injury at the moment. It's a really miserable one. I did my elbow in. My left arm is um, pretty wrecked at the moment, which has been really sad because I've been trying to renovate a house and I haven't oh, been no. able to do so because my arm has been out of action. And it was a long weekend and I was really looking forward to getting lots done. But... You're thankful for it? Because I got lots of writing done. Oh, okay. Been writing a book on the uh, writing a book on the book of Daniel, and I got lots of I got uh, woke up the other morning and just smashed out a whole uh, a whole chapter before I had breakfast, and it was just um, just amazing. So That's yeah, exciting. It, I, I wouldn't have done it if I had an injury if I didn't have an injury. So I'm going to be thankful for my injury this morning. All things work together for good to those that serve God. Absolutely. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so Joelle, positively different news. Positive what's what's, what's news. happening in the world of positively different news this morning? We've been just, you know, bombarded for the last week and a half with the most negative news on the planet. What's something good that is happening in our world? Well, something good. Well, of course, like you mentioned, it's been really hard the last couple of weeks, especially considering the riots happening in the States. Well, in New York, there's a man by the name of Antonio Gwen Jr. And he's just 18 years old um, from New York City. And because of all the damage that the riots have been causing in his neighborhood, he decided that he wanted to do something to help his neighborhood. And um, after the riots had occurred, he decided he was going to clean his neighborhood up before people were going to need the streets the next day. So he started cleaning at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's some serious dedication right there. Dedication. When was the last time you got up at 2 a.m., Joelle? To clean? <laughs> to clean, yes. Never. Absolutely <laughs> never. never. <laughs> so, yeah, he got up at 2 a.m. in the morning. He took, got the broom, got the rubbish bags ready, cleaned up the broken glass that were all over the streets. And he worked for about 10 hours um, just cleaning up his neighborhood. And he's... So that's like through until lunchtime the next day. Pretty much. And by the time other people started deciding that they wanted to help, he had already done the majority of the work. So um, news obviously spread very quickly, as you can imagine. And um, because of his 
sacrifice um, and he's giving spirit. This inspired other people to be kind. So a man who saw that um, Antonia was actually looking for some car advice. Um, like I said, he's just an 18 year old um, young man. This man decided to give him a red Mustang convertible. No way. Just like that. Apparently he didn't use the car very often and he thought that Antonia really deserved it. Uh-huh. So he just gave him this car. And um, But what makes it so sweet is that um, Antonio's mom actually passed away a few years ago and she had a red Mustang. So that was just um, even more meaningful for him considering that similarity. But that's not where the story ends. So he gets this car and then another man, again inspired by Antonio's story, he decides to give him car insurance for a year as well um, towards this. And then... Antonio was also planning to go um, do a trade so that he could save up for college, not knowing, obviously, how long that process was going to be. So how old is Antonio again? He's just 18. 18. He's 18. 18. Yeah, yeah, Senior in high school. Starting yeah. Off. yeah. Um, so obviously a future head, but he's not sure how long it will be till he saves up enough money for college. But again, because of his um, self-sacrifice, a college offered him a full scholarship so that he could attend college, um, which he'll be starting pretty soon, and he'll be studying business. So I'm so inspired by that story because it's he didn't set out to... Um, Come maybe, up with a scheme to get all kinds of stuff for free. Exactly, no. He just thought about what he could do, and that inspired other people to be kind in return. And I think that's such a good lesson for us um, because we can inspire not hate or anger, but kindness and love. Um, and that's definitely what I take away from that that story of Antonio. I, I cannot think of a better way to end the riots that are taking place right now than by people doing what Antonio has done. Absolutely. And we need, we need these are the stories we need to be talking about and focusing on and drawing people's attention to. And I can imagine, you know, the streets would be a bit of a dangerous place walking around all that broken glass every morning. Yeah. Um, and so he's doing a very, very valuable service there and, and uh, deserving absolutely everything that uh, has come his way. Absolutely. This is the kind of positivity we need having, happening in our world right now. What else is happening, Joelle? Well, do you know your neighbours where you live? You know, this is a really interesting question. So let me <laughs> let me share where, you know, because we recently moved. I remember, yeah. And, of course, when you move house, you have that opportunity of having a housewarming party, which we never had because, because we COVID. moved house uh, the day that uh, COVID lockdown stage three came in. And so we have got to know our neighbours at appropriate social distance. Okay. Which has been kind of different, kind of weird. Definitely. There's a few neighbours that um, sort of are a little bit further spread away that we don't know so well, but um, yeah, we know our neighbours, but not well. Not well, yeah. And even for me, I moved into a new neighbourhood as well, and I don't know the people on my street, um, but a few weeks ago, the neighbour, she just came by with a bag of food um, and just introduced herself, and I thought that was so sweet because for me, it's like, oh, in the movies, you know, neighbours know each other, but these days, people just live such separate lives. They just don't. And it's just, yeah, it's not maybe all that common. Hey, you're from South Africa. Is it different in South Africa to here? It probably depends where you live. Like some communities are really like they stand outside in the streets and, you know, they talk and interact. What about where you come from? Is it just like Australia or is it more community-based? It's probably more community-based. Yeah, that's nice. Australia is is a very um, individualistic society and I think we lose a lot because of it. I've I've travelled to many different countries and 
you know, I, I just love it when you have that, that long evening where all of everyone on the street is just out socializing together. Yeah. That's yeah. ideal. Well, let me tell you about this story. So this guy named Jack um, Begbie, he's from Sydney, and he also didn't know his neighbors. Um, but during COVID-19, he was thinking that maybe he should know who's around um, just in case something happens. You know, maybe there's an older couple nearby, especially considering COVID-19. Um, so he and his housemates, they wrote a letter and they put it in people's mailboxes and invited them to join a Facebook group um, just of those people in his neighborhood. And that just um, enabled them to get to know each other a little bit, see how they could help each other. Um, one person in the neighborhood, he's a chef. And obviously, because of COVID-19, he's, his workload has decreased. So now people in the neighborhood actually ask him to make food um, for them. So he's still in business. They're getting to know each other. And they even have trivia or quiz nights online. Um, so neighbors against neighbors. And again, just a small um, effort just to get to know other people, especially during this time when people are so isolated from each other. Yeah, so. fantastic. That's that's a really great story. What part of Sydney was he from? Ooh, does it um, say on the, on the on the news report there? Because I'm sort of thinking somewhere. there are some parts of Sydney that are reflective of you know other parts of the world that I've been to where everybody lives very close and they could have that whole street community atmosphere. It seems to be more challenging out in the western suburbs where you have the you know the Macca's mansions um, and that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fascinating story. Yeah. Anything so else, in real Ashfield. quick? I was in Ashfield. Ashfield. There you go. I used to work in Ashfield oh, for really? a while. Great suburb of Ashfield. Used to have a uh, a church right there in that community. So yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's always good to have some uh, decidedly positive news this morning and to see people doing good things in times of crisis. And what we've got here is an example of two different crises that we have recently had. Yeah. The COVID crisis and the race riots in the United States. And people just finding something positive to do as a result of... You know, the circumstances that they find themselves in and making the world to be a better place. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning uh, for our interview of the day is monthly regular Kent Kingston from Signs of the Times magazine. Kent, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Lyle and Joelle. Yeah, really, really good to be here with you on this uh, beautiful Tuesday morning. Okay, so we're super excited to hear about the uh, the next issue of Signs. The, uh, the, 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 the stories that you put in there are always so creative and relevant to what is happening. So uh, <laughs> what are you leading out with this month? Well, look, if, if, you, if you're a regular listener to uh, Faith FM, if you like to keep up with what's uh, going on, you'll already have a clue because uh, you might have heard our uh, Signs radio episode uh, last week with uh, with Ashley Stanton, um, she she's basically talking about you know what's well, what's the go with exercise. Um, I certainly need to have this conversation um, because, uh, like her, I'm not much of a runner. Um, she tried running and just found it didn't work for her. Um, and so you know, basically, what she talks about is the the form of exercise that actually works for her. Like she, she tried this, she tried that. Finally, she's hit on something that works for her, which is a you know particularly um, sort of trendy um, 
you know, thing that's happening at, at, in some gyms. Um, you know, that might work for her, that might not work for you, uh, maybe not for me, but yeah, she really does uh, go into, you know, the importance and in the article as well as in, you know, last week's interview of finding that right form of exercise for you that is going to um, do the best for your health, including your mental health. And, you know, she goes into that, you know, if, if you... Uh, are physically healthy, if you get that blood moving, you get that cardio pumping, it can actually do wonders uh, for your overall mood. Um, and I think that's important right now, you know, with the, all the sort of stress and restrictions and, and worries and concerns about the future that, uh, that are going on right now. Yes, there's certainly a lot of negativity in the world and, the, and exercise is a great way of working off a lot of that negativity. Let me ask you, Ken, have you found an exercise that works for you? Oh, he paused. I, he paused. I, <laughs> I I have to confess, physical exercise is is a bit of a challenge for me. Um, certainly, before the whole COVID restrictions um, kicked in, um, I had begun to sort of try to go for a, a bit of a jog through the bush um, over over lunchtime at work because I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a, a workplace that is you know right close to some uh, sort of bushland areas where there are some bush tracks and I actually don't mind doing a bit of jogging, jog slash walk to be honest, um, through a sort of a, in a bushland environment, not too keen on pounding the pavement, you know, it doesn't seem to do too well on my feet and um, ankles and knees and things like that, so yeah, on a natural surface, don't mind a little bit of jogging, don't mind a bit of cycling, uh, that, that can be okay, or just a brisk walk is better than nothing, it, it seems to, you know, really sort of get the blood moving and certainly I've found in the past that it can improve my mood. And COVID, did that? Did COVID knock your exercise regime around or has it uh, strengthened it? it? It Look, I thought that being at home, I'd have all this extra time and I'd be, you know, out. But I think with the, the shorter days coming with winter, it's made it that little bit more difficult, that sort of cold weather has sort of driven me inside and um, I'd much rather be snuggling up on the couch these days. Oh, I um, relate. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've got someone who, who has a, a similar feeling to me, Joel. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, yep. But, but seriously, I mean, I, it's, it's funny how, um, you know, this month's articles in, you know, the June magazine, how they kind of come in, in clusters because we have a couple of exercises, but we also have another one that sort of does focus on that situation. As these restrictions sort of mounted there, you know, a couple of months back uh, for COVID, how people started to struggle. Um, we have a quite an honest confession from one of our authors um, about how he... Uh, Develop this sort of eating disorder, basically. Um, you know, a particular snack food just really caught his attention, and he found himself putting away packets of this every day, which you know wasn't doing him him any good. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, exercise, you know, would would have helped in that situation. But uh, I think there was also a spiritual side to it for him, and that's certainly where where he comes down. You know, in in the article, which is um, entitled "Potato Sticks Panic." And providence <laughs> so um yeah so he he really needed to have a bit of a spiritual reset and a a bit of a um a, a slap around from his daughter actually who was who said hey you know what's what's going on dad um and so and sorted him out and restored a bit of perspective there but yeah it's it's interesting how this situation that we're facing you know with COVID-19 has had uh, a mental health effect, you know, which has physical repercussions, which has spiritual repercussions. It's a, it's a many tentacle thing.
It's going to be interesting over the next few years just to see the research that comes out you know, on how society changed during the crisis, how it changed long term, uh, the benefits mm. and, the, and the negatives of it. What else is happening in uh, science for this month there, Kent? Well, look, I guess following right along, it's interesting. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, Lyle and Joel, that you're watching mainstream uh, news, you know, whether it's TV news or, I mean, most of us, let's face it, are watching on-demand, you know, video clips on, on the internet these days. And news readers and journalists are increasingly using phrases like, um, you know, this is a flood of biblical proportions. You know, this is a plague. Um, this is, um, you know, they're using words like Armageddon, you yeah. know. Um, I've noticed that. Which, ha- ha- have you noticed that? I have, definitely. It's really interesting, isn't it? So th- this biblical language is uh, sort of sneaking into um, mainstream uh, news broadcasts and, and newspapers uh, because people are trying to, uh, I guess, grapple with the scale of the sorts of things, you know, that, that are happening to our planet. I mean, in Australia, we've had drought. Remember that drought? Oh, yes. <laughs> we had drought. Yeah. Then we had, we had flood. Drought. Then, well, no, we had bushfires first. Oh, that's right. The, um, yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, our, our summer bushfires kicked off even before summer started, um, sort of to, towards the last half of last year. So it was bushfires. Yeah, then, as you say, Lyle, it was storms, it was floods. I, I remember driving through um, you know, parts of uh, Queensland and, and northern New South Wales and seeing um, burnt trees only just beginning to recover from the um, from the bushfires, standing knee-deep in floodwater. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, crazy stuff. Um, some places got hit, but, you know, by the by both disasters. Well, and then the triple threat with the whole COVID-19, which has hit the, the whole planet. And um, not to, um, you know, put a downer on it, but if you have a look at the global statistics right now of where COVID is up to, the number of daily infections, um, in fact, yesterday was the world's record day for the most uh, infections in one day. Did wow. you know that? I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. And here yes. in Australia, yes. I think we feel a little bit insulated from that kind of news because exactly. we are doing so incredibly well. Praise God. We live in the lucky country, Kent. Um, uh, and Absolutely, yeah. And, it, 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 it's, go on. No, you go. I was just saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's um, it's certainly flattening off and, and reducing for us, you know, to to the extent that you know thousands of us um, felt safe enough to go out on you know on a Black Lives Matter um, protest over the weekend. Um, I was there, you know, maybe that will be proven to be unwise, but um, but nevertheless, yeah, we're feeling safe in Australia, but around the world, this thing hasn't even peaked yet. I have to ask, um, Ken, at the at the rally that you went to, were people practicing social distancing, and did you practice social distancing? Look, there are a lot of people in masks, um, and I think yeah, there was a little bit of an attempt to um, not crowd together uh, too far, to, to you know, not crowd not to crowd together too closely. Um, certainly, there wasn't a whole lot of you know linking arms and um, and and getting up close and personal with, with other protesters. I mean, yeah, I did see some people um, giving hugs and things like that, um, and I wondered at the wisdom of that, but. You know, by and large, uh, at the, the Newcastle um, rally, which is the one I attended, um, by and large, it looked, um, yeah, like people were trying to be sensible, even though clearly, um, I mean, 
you know, the limit on public gatherings is 50. Um, so in, <laughs> a- in, in, in Newcastle, for example, um, the the numbers were, I think police estimated it got up to 5,000 at one stage. So clearly um, laws were broken, um, but it seems that, you know, people thought, you know, these issues uh, are too important to... Uh, um, yeah, to to abide by. I don't know. History will will judge us. I I guess um, we will know in two weeks' time. <laughs> we will. We will. If if we see the the Black Lives Matter um, spike, then we'll uh, we'll all know how unwise we were. Um, but you know, with with all this stuff happening, you know, with our mainstream media using this biblical language, it seems to us that it's probably a good time to actually look at you know, okay, well, we have an article about Armageddon. You know, what the Bible talks about Armageddon, it's a word that people are now throwing around. Um, but what exactly does it mean in a biblical sense? You know, what is the origin of this word, um, and and what can we expect in the in the history of our planet um, as you know these sorts of um, disasters, uh, these sort of plagues um, I- increase. Um, you know, what, what does this mean spiritually? Uh, what does this mean biblically in terms of Bible prophecy? Um, so yeah, we we have a, an article unpacking that. So yeah, an, another you know fantastic article to check out in Signs of the Times magazine this month. And I think like you know we are starting to feel like we live in a world that is always in crisis. We went, as you say, we went mm. from drought to fires to flood. Uh, to COVID, to race riots, and mm. you know, you start to the impact of that. It's like, okay, we're going to have a new major crisis every month. It feels like because that's the life that we have lived for the last, you know, six or eight months or so. And you know, is this the new norm as we get nearer the return of Christ? That you know, it, this is this is just going to escalate, 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 and go completely out of control. Yeah, and look, who knows um, how things may ebb and flow, or if, as you say, you know, they will they will just keep building and will have this sort of cumulative uh, effect. I mean, I certainly hope not. Um, you know that you know the idea of things getting worse and worse is is not a pleasant one to consider. But I guess you know we have to accept that uh, that biblically, um, you know, if we look at prophecy, there is a suggestion that it is going to get worse um, before it gets better. Um, and I guess all the more reason to um, to know our Bibles to. To uh, reach out for that sense of hope and, and to understand what what the future holds, but yes, I think you're right, Lyle. We we need to we need to look at that. We need to have have some thoughts. I mean, in regards to the um you know the Black Lives Matter protest over the weekend, we we actually have an article in in Science this month looking at civil disobedience. So you know, is there a time when it is the right thing to do to to break the law? Um, you know, this is a, an interesting issue, especially if you're coming from a Christian point of view, um, where, you know, Christians are taught in the Bible, you know, the Apostle Paul says we should uh, respect the authorities, abide by the law and this sort of stuff, which is great. Um, but there certainly have been Christians um, in the past and up to the present moment who feel that there are some issues and there are some times where there are higher principles at play uh, apart from what the law says. Um, that's a tricky, tricky, tricky issue. Um, and people can make all sorts of excuses to do all sorts of terrible things, um, you know, using this sort of logic. Um, but nevertheless, you know, there may come a time um, in the future, perhaps more, um, you know, increasingly often, um, there may come times when it, it is the right thing to do in a moral sense to break the law. I don't know if that's a, a radical thing to say, but um, it's something that um, uh, you know a, a, 
a gentleman writing in Science uh, Magazine this month actually talks about his own experience of um, attending a protest, not moving on when asked to by the police, um, being respectful, non-violent, peaceful, absolutely, but being arrested uh, for for what he what he believes in. Um, that that sort of gets pretty challenging, you know. This gets beyond theory and and into practice, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does, um, particularly. Seeing as I guess we one could argue that uh, you break the law, broke the law this weekend, Ken. <laughs> So well, you're kind of look, in the middle of that article yourself. <laughs> I think so. I think so, yeah. Uh, it's, um, I think I would have had a hard time yeah. arresting 5,000 people, but anyway. <laughs> and, and I think that was the reality of it. When you have that sort of mass civil disobedience, the, the police were in attendance. They were very friendly. They were pretty much keeping us safe, yeah. um, keeping, you know, keeping traffic away from, from, the, uh, from protesters. So um, that was good to see. Um, and, of course, you know, there was a... A common a, sense interest- approach to policing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was very, very pragmatic. Um, so yeah, look, lots, lots of fascinating stories in in this month's uh, Signs of the Times magazine, including our cover story. I got to say, which is an incredible story of a uh, a guy who who's from Christchurch, New Zealand, who uh, grew up in a pretty rough situation at home, um, and looking back on it now, he says, you know what? I have a sense that there was a battle for my life there was a battle for my soul going on at a cosmic level that was there were these positive and negative spiritual influences pushing me this way pushing me that way um and things could have turned out you know pretty bad uh you know he he ended up with a very sort of violent um in very violent setting with involved with criminals involved with drugs and, and this sort of stuff but his life has just been turned around, and it's just incredible to, to see that um, that transformation. So, yeah, definitely check out that uh, cover article in Signs of the Times this month. How do we get Signs of the Times, Kent? It's a simple matter, while and Joel, of jumping on our website, which is signsofthetimes.org.au. And look, all those articles that I, I've mentioned today are all there for you to read and enjoy. Um, but please don't forget to click that share button, you know, um, share on Facebook, share on Twitter, um, copy the URL and paste it into an email and, you know, send it to your friend. Um, and of course, the, the website, signsofthetimes.org.au, is also the best place to, uh, to subscribe to the magazine. So you can receive the, the hard copy of the magazine, fully designed, a few extra columns there, like some recipes and little news grabs and things like that, um, that will uh, appear in your letterbox uh, every month. You've missed out on the June one, so far as hard copy is concerned, but if you get in, now you can uh, get into July. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Question of the day. Question of the day. You had a really interesting question. We had a bit of a discussion during the song break, uh, Joelle and myself, and she posed a very, very interesting question that I was hoping to get to in the last section. And seeing as we didn't... I thought, well, let's do it during question of the day. What was your question, Joelle? All right, well, we considered um, history and um, Bible prophecy, right? So history really helps us have more faith in the Bible because we can see how those two correspond. So does that mean that the people in the past have had greater faith than we do now because they didn't have all the history that we have? Okay, so... Basically, if we look at Bible prophecy, particularly you know end time prophecy, ninety percent of it's been fulfilled. Mm. You look at Daniel two; it's like what's left, the coming of the rock. That's it. Yeah. You look at Daniel seven; what's left? 
um, the return of Jesus Christ and the destruction of the little horn. That's pretty much it. Uh, you look at Daniel 8, what's left? Well, we're pretty much, you know, we've come to the end of Daniel 8 and we're halfway through the, uh, the last verses of Daniel 8. Mm. And so wherever you look in Bible prophecy, look at your seven churches. Where are we in the seven churches? We are pretty much all the way through Laodicea, which is the last one. And so we have this ability to be able to look back over the last two and a half thousand years to the time of Daniel and say, well, you know what, if it has come true over a two and a half thousand year period, it's not hard to believe that the little bit that is left is going to actually happen. Absolutely. So what about if you were, eh, let's say, Cyrus? Mm-hmm. Cyrus comes along and how much of Daniel 2 can he see? He can see the head of gold mm-hmm. and himself. That's it. That's it. That's not a whole lot, is it? Not at all. And yet Cyrus the Persian, in honor of the prophecies in the Bible that spoke about him, when he was shown those prophecies, mm-hmm. honored them by ordering the building of the temple at Jerusalem. That was in honor of those prophecies. Okay, what about Alexander the Great? When he comes along, founds the Greek Empire, how much can he see? He can see the Persians. He can see the... Babylonians. The Babylonians. Yeah. So he can see a little bit more, can't he? Yes. Okay, and when Alexander the Great was uh, marching through Palestine on his way to Egypt, to conquer Egypt, uh, he was pretty much, you know, smashing Egypt. Any city that he came across that was allied to the Persians. Mm -hmm. That was just his policy. He came to the city of Jerusalem. He asked them to break their allegiance to the Persians. The the Jews were kind of like, you know, the Persians have been good to us. We can't really break our allegiance to them. Uh, But we do have this interesting prophecy. Have you seen this? And they showed him the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 8, etc. And Alexander the Great, in honor of that prophecy went and worshipped in the temple in Jerusalem, worshipped in the court of the Gentiles, and spared the city. Oh, wow. And he could only see a little bit of the prophecy, a little Mm -hmm. bit more than Cyrus could, but only a little bit. Okay, so did they have more faith than us? My answer is yes, Hmm. absolutely. And so my response to that is, well, what's your problem? Now, I'm not talking to you Joel, I'm talking to you know us mm-hmm. as listeners. What's our problem? When great men, geniuses, mm-hmm. because both Alexander and Cyrus were geniuses, you know, we don't really appreciate all of their genius because it, you know, particularly Alexander brought a lot of destruction to the world. But th- there was no question the guy was brilliant. And when you get brilliant minds like that can see the accuracy of a prophecy from almost its beginning and we get to the end of the prophecy and suddenly we are struggling. You know, that's a little bit of a commentary on human nature and that says that, you know, we have no reason to struggle. We have every reason to believe in Jesus Christ with our whole hearts. 